My midlife crisis kicked in the afternoon I read on Facebook that the two guys I used to sit next to in grade 12 biology were launching their third show on HGTV, which I might have been able to shake off, remind myself that we're all on our own paths, and there was no point comparing my life to theirs and all that crap if my boss hadn't shown up in my office a few minutes later to announce that the big project I had been working on for months had finally arrived, and I had done a great job of it and should be very proud. That big project was name tags, a box of name tags. I was 40 years old, and not only was I totally lacking in the Home Improvement Media Empire Department, but my most significant professional accomplishment in life was a bunch of pieces of plastic with people's names correctly spelled on them. Hi, this is Jackie. I am the host of These Moms Write, but today I want to share something a little different from my regular episodes. Conversations with writing moms about the incredible work they're doing to build the creative, connected, and abundant lives they have always wanted. This one isn't about their journeys, it's about mine. It's about my confessions of a midlife crisis because what I'm learning through this process, I think might help you too. I started this podcast because at some point after unloading all those name tags and reflecting on the fact that the only skill my then job seemed to actually value in me was my ability to cut and paste words and seeing that the property brothers who I knew as John and Andrew back when we were dissecting Fetal Rats at Thomas Haney Secondary School were launching their third TV show, I realized I was not just unimpressed with my life, I was full-on panicked about it. I'm not saying my life is crap. I have two pretty great kids and a pretty great husband, and my cat isn't always an asshole. My bras are now stretched out that perfect amount, comfortable yet supportive, and I love my bathtub in a way I've never loved a bathtub before. But I've always dreamed of being a writer. I'd written and self-published a novel and everything. Those dreams, I'd given up on them sometime right around the birth of my second child. Trying to get people to care about my work while taking care of two kids and making enough money to pay the mortgage felt like too much, so I dropped the one thing that was easiest to drop. Writing. And some part of me had been miserable ever since. I didn't want to spend my time spelling things correctly for a living, which for the record is not even my strong suit. I wanted to share my voice, find my voice, make a difference, but how? I had no idea how to kickstart that dream, so I took a podcasting course with a lady who seemed to have her shit together, Kathy Heller of The Kathy Heller Show, and I started talking to other mums who seemed like they too had their shit together, mums who had figured out how to make their writing dreams come true. It's been about a month since my official podcast launch. And has my life dramatically transformed? Not exactly, but I have learned one thing. And that's that that really awkward joke I made at a job interview two years ago may have been the worst and best thing I ever did. I never really thought I had enough to say to fill a podcast until I took Kathy's course. The first homework assignment that she gave me and the 300 other students was to ask a friend, what are you good at? 
I was expecting something along the lines of connecting with people or identifying what matters most or creative ideation. Instead, my friend Lana texts back, Remember that time you went to that job interview and totally freaked out those people? That was hilarious. It happened a few years ago. I was pretty desperate to move beyond being a professional speller and was applying for jobs all over the place. I had been to a few interviews, but this one I felt like was different. It was special. The work seemed fun and important, and there was excellent parking options, which is kind of a big deal when you hit 40 and don't feel like taking the bus anymore. So there I was after many pre-interview screenings and pre-assessments and resume smoothing, sitting in a glass-encased room in downtown Vancouver across from two middle-aged women named Kathy and Kathleen. Right away, Kathy got my name wrong. Of course, I shrugged it off in that I'm super chill and can handle myself in a crisis while juggling competing priorities kind of way. In fact, I kind of liked it. Better they be the ones making mistakes in the interview instead of me, right? I don't do those. I am perfect human robot that you should hire to do all of your human things perfectly. A few questions later, they asked me a scenario question. And as I was explaining what I would do in that particular situation, I got their names mixed up. Kathy, Kathleen... The names were similar, and I should have just dropped it, but I was supposed to be a perfect robot, right? I couldn't let them know that I was a regular human who needed time in the day to do things like poop and scroll Facebook to see what the Property Brothers were up to. So I panicked, and when I panic, my humor coping mechanism kicks in, and not in a good way. When Kathy, or Kathleen, because fuck it, I still can't remember which is which, pointed out that I got the name wrong, my response in my mind sounded like this. I guess we're even now, you know, in that let me get you a smoothie later to make it up to you, workplace bestie kind of way. But apparently they heard it more like this. I guess we're even now. In that kind of thinly veiled sociopath threat, I'm going to slash your tires and torture your houseplants kind of way. Because they both looked at me with these sort of wide-eyed expressions before exchanging knowing looks and quickly calling the interview to a close. It was humiliating, and I had all but purged that memory from my mind until Lena brought it up. That was my biggest strength, tanking interviews. But you know what? I think she might be onto something, because humor is a big part of me, and it's time, I think, that I honored that. I first discovered humor in my teens, and honestly, it was a godsend. I was a very lonely as a teenager, and there was a time in grade 8 that I had no friends to sit with in the cafeteria, so rather than be seen alone, I would spend my lunch hours hiding in the toilet stalls in a second-floor bathroom, eating tuna fish sandwiches next to garbage cans full of poorly wrapped, bloodied pads. Then one day, I made a joke. It was in my home room, and this girl Donna, who was older, with that natural ability to command the attention of an entire room when she walked in, was complaining about breaking her nail during P.E. to her friend, Danielle. And you mean they didn't let you go home, I said? Donna looked at me surprised, then delighted, then turned to her friend Danielle. 
I like that girl. That was the first time I really felt seen in that class, and it was electric. I liked that feeling, so I tried it again a few days later. Donna's friend Danielle had the most impressive mane of long, thick, dark, curly hair that us girls with hair that tapers to a point when braided only dream about. And every curl on that girl's head was perfectly placed, thanks in part to the constant coating of hairspray that she doused it with at every break. She was sitting in my homeroom with Donna when I decided it was time to launch another zinger. Donna. Shit, I ran out of hairspray. Me. Probably because Danielle used up Canada's entire hairspray reserves. Donna looked at me confused, which is generally not the response you want in a joke. You know, like those oil sands in Alberta, but like with hairspray instead of petroleum. Donna looked even more confused. I guess her mother didn't talk about the evils of oil sand extraction at the dinner table. Danielle, on the other hand, didn't need to understand the complexities of my resource-based humor to get at what I was getting at. She gave me this withering glare that was made all the more lethal by the fact that her eyes were boarded and lashes so thick and rigid they looked like they were made out of the pelts of dead beavers. Seriously, that girl's hair was amazing. Jokes I learned that day can help you connect with people, and they can have the exact opposite effect. It's a fine balance, sure, and I don't know that I always managed to get it right, but that is how I learned throughout my teens and 20s to make friends. Humor was always there for me, and I have to admit I wasn't always there for it. My son was born a few weeks premature and came out very skinny, and not in that, wow, have you been working out kind of way, but in that recovering from a parasite I picked up from eating raw ground beef straight out of the package kind of way. It was very unattractive, and for two people who had never had a baby before, just straight up terrifying. We named our son Charlie. Actually, that's not his real name, but I want to be able to say lots of super embarrassing things about him on this podcast, so I've changed it. By about day five, still thick in the, why won't he eat more? Is he going to starve to death phase? He started turning slightly orange. I was sitting in my parents' dining room, exhausted from the marathon of pumping and alarm clocks, and little Charlie was lying peaceful on the tiny bouncy chair next to me. My dad takes one look at him and says, Charlie, you should have named him John. You know, like, John this. I took one look at him and ran upstairs crying. I was not ready for jokes. In fact, that whole first year of being a parent, I didn't think anything was funny. What started as a constant state of fear that I was going to somehow screw up and accidentally murder my baby with neglect, soon transformed into a new kind of fear. The fear that comes with being held hostage by a very small terrorist who lacks sufficient muscle mass to hold up his head. I never knew when he was going to kill one of the hostages, and the randomness of it all was just what made it so much more terrifying. Miss the afternoon nap? Non-stop screaming all night. Because, yeah, not getting any sleep when you're overtired makes so much sense. Get your first vaccination? Non-stop screaming all night. Have a tiny bit of nasal congestion? Non-stop screaming all night. 
So here's the thing. I didn't do much beyond survive that first year. But when I finally got past it and felt confident enough in my parenting to stop going off the deep end when my dad made jokes about diseases that could hinder my son's long-term brain health, my humor came back. Thank God, because that's when I discovered I actually didn't like being a mom that much. When my son hit the toddler years, every day was organized around one sole directive. Wear that motherfucker down. It's exhausting trying to prevent a small human from cutting themselves on can openers, running into traffic or losing a foot in the escalator at the Kingsgate Mall. My only relief was ensuring he was sufficiently exercised to succumb to an afternoon nap so that I could get some writing in. That and the giant hamster ball. My son is 12 now. A few days ago, I was talking to a psychologist about him, and she was asking me some questions to assess whether he might be autistic. And she was asking me things like, does he understand what is happening in a room? Does he have a good grasp of language? Does he ever exercise sarcasm? I almost snort laughed when she said that last one. I'm not proud of the fact that he's a full-fledged smart aleck, but I also can't blame him either because it's 100% me and my husband's fault for constantly saying things like, you better eat that or the baby police will get you. Him, what's the baby police? Me, they're a force of tiny uniform babies with tiny baby-sized handcuffs that put kids in jail for poor behavior, like not finishing their dinner. My son, are you joking? There were a lot of conversations that ended that way. And to my credit, I did try to stop. My Aunt Mary is a public health nurse, and when Charlie was about two, she overheard me telling him that it was dangerous to swim in the lake without any shark repellent, a.k.a. sunscreen on. It was summer, and we were at a family campout. Sarcasm is not good for children, she said. It undermines their trust and leads to negative coping strategies. Mom, is it okay if I eat candy before I go swimming, or will that attract sharks too? Mary looked at me expectantly. I was joking, okay? There's no sharks in the lake. My aunt smiled, but I did not. It was the worst 12 minutes of my life as a parent. Forget his coping strategies. All he'd done while I packed his bags and food and sleeping bags and tents for the trip was watch endless episodes of a talking truck cartoon and eat marshmallows, the ones that were supposed to be for roasting. I was the one that needed something to get me through the day. After that first year of terror, I realized that parenting is generally just excruciatingly boring. I mean, what did I really have in common with a dude who found rusted-out construction machines operated by men in orange vests named Bud? Absolutely mesmerizing. Completely ignoring the bag of rainbow glitter and rhinestones I just brought back from the dollar store. Did my son get sent to the principal's office multiple times in kindergarten for things like instigating a food fight or excessively using phrases with the word balls in them to the teacher? Yes. Yes, he did, Mary. But did I manage to not get so numbed out by the constant screaming at the community center play gym that I just walked into traffic myself one day, taking him with me? No. No, I did not. Humor was there for me when I was first grappling with being a parent, and it still is. Thank God, because now that I'm in my 40s, I need it more than ever. Being a middle-aged woman is just ridiculous. 
There's the society stuff. Sure. I mean, can we all just sit with the fact that a man the same age as the Golden Girls was awarded the title of world's sexiest man? I don't know about you, but I don't remember Dorothy and Rose spending much of their time deflecting Tinder dates. I just remember a lot of flannel robes, perfectly coiffed white hair, and cheesecake eating around the kitchen table, which is now like you, ladies, COVID. Get your own plates. But it's actually the body stuff that gets me. Since turning 40, the darkest, gnarliest hairs have begun sprouting all over my body. My boobs, my belly, even in a tiny pocket deep within my left butt cheek, which occasionally bursts forth one super knotted, pus-covered hair nest baby. I finally have Danielle's thick hair, only... It appears on every part of my body except my head. Just before writing this, I was standing in the mirror plucking some of those hairs off my face and discovered an eyebrow hair so long, I basically don't even need any of the other ones. That one hair has enough stamina to do the job of all the others. And forget spandex. At the rate I'm going, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to wear a bikini to our next family camp out made entirely from my own breast and pubic hair. And it's not just the hairs, my skin is changing too. It's gotten very lazy. I still get zits because why outgrow the shitty parts of each life phase when you can just keep collecting them like really crappy Monopoly stickers. But now when I get zits, they are forever zits because my skin just gives up about 60% of the way through the healing process. My skin. All right, guys, let's call it a day the other organs. But you aren't done. It's still all bumpy. You aren't going to smooth that out. My skin, it's good enough. Come on. The Property Brothers are going live on Facebook. I bet this is finally their big scandal. No one can be that nice and successful. I have not yet hit the perimenopause years, though I do carry with me pads at all times in preparation for the impending river of blood which my older sister's peer group has assured me will soon be flowing from between my legs. But I can tell you that my vaginal canal is warming up because lately all kinds of new fluids and odors have started leaking out of there, like someone flushing up the pipes before turning the water back on after the winter thaw. My body is changing in all kinds of strange ways that the Golden Girls definitely did not prepare me for. But honestly... That's not even the hardest part either. The hardest part of it is being 40 and realizing that you've been working so hard for so long and you don't even understand what the point of any of it is because even though you have some great people in your life, a box full of name tags is not enough. You still don't feel like you are completely showing up. So here I am. I don't really know what I'm doing with this life or with this podcast, but I do know that I wouldn't be here without my sense of humor. It has helped me through a lot. Yeah, that means I may occasionally bomb a few job interviews or get banned from the premise. And it certainly hasn't landed me a new show on HGTV about using sarcasm to flip houses. But that's okay, because as Kathy Heller says, you can't miss out if it's meant for you It won't pass you by. Those dreams, they're put inside me for a reason. And you. So from now on, I'm going to try to spend more time loving that person that they were put in and less time panicking about her.